1: Welcome to the AEW Dynamite Preview. I'm Adam Wilborn from What Culture, joined by one of the Dudley Boys, Michael Sidgwick from What Culture, to look ahead to tonight's episode of AEW Dynamite. But before we get into it, if you're a fan of this sort of thing, make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, wherever you get your podcasts from, for daily wrestling podcasts where we not only review AEW Dynamite but also AEW Rampage, Raw, SmackDown, the show formerly known as NXT. But Oh. Pay-per-views, premium live events. We have interviews, roundtable discussions, and a round-up of the week complete. The quiz, of course. Are on WrestleCulture, as I said, though, joined by Michael Sidric. Michael Havreau, just working from home today, but he'll be back in the next couple of days. Uh, we're here to preview Dynamite. Lots to look forward to. None of that best of seven nonsense. Bollocks to that for this one week, inexplicably. Um, instead, two championship matches. And, of course, this technically is the go-home Dynamite ahead of final battle this weekend.
2: Yeah. Um, look... I don't want to be that guy, right? I don't want to be that guy who catastrophizes AEW. I also want to be a more consistent, less impulsive critic slash analyst who isn't a goldfish and who lets things play out and who judges form across a decent stretch of a television cycle and doesn't immediately apply his broken WWE brain <laughs> to what I'm about to cover and expect the worst. But I'm, if I was going to be that guy, <laughs> yes I would be maybe a little bit worried about certain results and trends on tonight's Dynamite. I'm not worried about it necessarily. I don't think if the things I predict happen would be the end of the world, but... I'm expecting or hoping 50 50 that there's some kind of finish masterstroke where tomorrow I'll be like purring in admiration of, ah, oh, that was inspired. Mm. So I'm honestly expecting to be surprised, but that I'm a naturally cynical guy. And as a result, there are, yeah, two matches I'm thinking, why have you booked this? Now, what good can come of this? And I suppose we'll get to them imminently.
1: Yeah, I I assume they're both the championship matches. Uh, Let's tackle the the FTR one first, because you and I have sat here very confidently in recent weeks going, okay, we can see what they're doing, but the pay-per-view is quite the way off. That is clearly the big, what I thought was clearly the big pay-per-view match for February uh, for the AW Tag Team titles, um, FTR versus the Acclaimed. And we've got to kind of keep the acclaimed Busy, in the interim. Hence why why we didn't sort of throw our arms up initially when they were like, here's Jay Lethal and Jeff Jarrett. Because you're like, okay, they shouldn't really be the next in line. But that's how TV wrestling works. Exactly. It's, it's you know, it's one of those things we just sort of let them get away with. And yet... Not only do they, you know, announce for Rampage, we're going to name the next people we're going to face, and they're the, the second best team. And we're like, okay, well, that's when Jarrett's going to smash a guitar over Daddy Ass's head or whatever. And they go, well, it was going to be someone else, but now you've bloody done that. It's going to have and the gun, gun or gun club or whatever it may be. And then they just went, cool, yeah, you two stay up there at the top of the ramp. We're going to just announce FTR. Not even for like, in, I, I think. I had to rewind it, because I went, okay, yeah, right, okay, that's fine. I suppose it's a pay-per-view at the end of the day. It's a final battle. And they anyway, went, no, it's on Wednesday. And you're like, what? What's going on? <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's astonishing this. And I'm kind of you a little, a little bit nervous for about it, about this as a result. Um, whether it's just going to be, yeah, if this was WWE, I almost feel relaxed about it because I go, oh cool, we're definitely getting a result then. Gun Club or Jeff Jarrett or Jay Lethal or all of the above are going to bollocks all this up and they'll either push it to Saturday for the pape or just push it down the road a little bit. But that's not AEW's modus operandi, is it?
2: Well, it wasn't. Hmm. Past tense. Look, yeah, this is a very strange th- match to promote now. The timing is very, very sus indeed. Yeah. Um, Mega fans will have to forgive me, Um, and I apologize, because I think I've said this take um, on the Rampage review, so I'll very quickly, as quickly as I possibly can, cover it again. The timing is sus. On ROH, the discourse appears to have mutated now, because as has been rationally pointed out, if you really consider the product um, of late on Dynamite, it really is only Chris Jericho, He's dialed it back, hasn't he? He's totally gone to dial it back somewhat. And the idea of ROH on AEW TV doesn't really feel as much of an imposition as it has when ROH was basically, when Rampage was basically ROH Rampage a couple of months ago. And yet, the presence, the imposition of ROH content on AEW, and again, it's that consistency and thinking about things, not just week to week, but across the long haul and then making a considered um, point, or as considered as something can be Mm -hmm. for a storytelling medium that will never end, so you never know the ending, right? Mm -hmm. Battle of the Belts was something I was really looking forward to, right? I think a lot of the problems of late 2021, which was an, an incredible time, but, you know, you still expect the absolute very best every week, whatever, was that right? Okay, this Full Gear revolution pay-per-view cycle is dragging, and mm-hmm. it doesn't feel important. It's not keeping me engaged week to week. But you know what? Maybe Battle of the Belts could remedy that. With the idea being that these are essentially AEW's equivalent of a B-level pay-per-view, more so than a uh, Shark Week or a Paddy's Day Slam, <laughs> yes, or a Fighter Fest, um, which basically they're not really B-level pay-per-view in quality just the emphasis is on in-ring action mm-hmm. as opposed to angles and promos and the trifecta, okay? So I thought, right, okay, maybe this is what they need. Maybe they need four B-level pay pay-per-views, never 12, but maybe four where you get, like, just some awesome action that just happens to be on TV. And the idea that it was Battle of the Belts um, was basically a synonym. And I know Battle of the Belts existed as somebody else's IP um, before <laughs> that, but it was basically, we can't get... The Clash IP, it is owned by WWE. Battle of the Belts is essentially a synonym of that, mm. and the idea is we are calling it that for the exact purpose of bringing back memories of Clash of the Champions and the high-stakes stuff that you got on TV. So, like, great. Can't wait for that. Should be awesome. And then it was reduced to an hour, and none of those shows have been good. Well, none of them have been great. Some of them have been pretty good. Inessential. Yes. And ROH just had a massive presence on them. And I... Can't help but think those two things are related. With Acclaimed versus FTR, right, it's a hard enough ask as it is to do it on TV because you're giving away the biggest tag match on pay-per-view you've got on TV. And what really stresses me out about it, again, I'm expecting the masterstroke here. That's the expectation for the last couple of weeks and they're really back on form. I'm expecting some kind of masterstroke finish because if I was cynical, right, I would think, right, the Gun Club are going to interfere or the Kingdom are going to interfere and the heat is going to be on the promotion and not the heel tag team because we know that the promoter booked the heel tag team to ruin what in a very, very similar alternative universe to our own would have been the Revolution tag team title match, okay? It still might be the Revolution tag team title match, okay? They might, on the road to Revolution, when it begins in earnest... Um, have FTR say something to the effect to the acclaimed of, you know for a fact you didn't beat us properly. If you were any kind of babyface fighting champions, which you claim to be, you would give us another go. Even if they build acclaimed FTR2 at Revolution, right, there's still an enormous um, pressure and expectation on this match where if in fact they are going to go to this really cheap um, finish, that is Ultimate proof, in my opinion, that ROH is, in fact, actively detracting from AEW and the possibilities that AEW could generate because you are giving away an AEW pay-per-view match for the benefit of building an ROH pay-per-view match, okay? Um, The expectation and pressure still exists because if you want the Revolution match to feel hot, having given it away already, which is a hard sell, we saw that with Punk and Marks, uh, Mocks and um, punk, uh,
1: mock and
2: punk. Yeah, I said that. Sorry, <laughs> sorry. Yeah. this has to be twelve minutes of absolutely five star adjacent action as a teaser for oh, when the real match happens, it's going to be amazing. We saw those twelve outstanding, heated, dramatic, well worked minutes, and I, god damn it, I want more. Sampling everything is a risk, right? In terms of the match itself, the idea that the Gun Club. Or kingdom could distract or interfere. Even if it's a even if it's a good distraction or heel finish, right? You're still going to annoy the growing number of AEW fans who are like, right? I'm sick of this ROH stuff. Mm. I'm sick of it. It just serves no purpose. It does nothing that AEW doesn't. It just feels small time because the brand value was diminished badly before it was shuttered. Um, I don't know why when this criticism feels to be one of the main conversations around AEW, would you do this? Dot, dot, dot. If that's what they're doing, you might get a clean finish. I doubt it. Another thing that worries me is that even if this was a winter is coming, I would still feel like, are you sure? Mm-hmm. It's the biggest tag team match you've got. The Elite seem preoccupied on the Road to Revolution with the trios division, and the expected match there is Elite versus House of Black. Even if it was at Winter is Coming, you'd think, all right, okay, well, you're probably going to get a result here. That's great. A bit soon for me, but I'll fucking take it. The fact that it's not at Winter is Coming and it's in such close proximity, the final battle, has me really, really worried about where Tony Khan's priorities are. Yeah. Does he really want to sell 10,000? Not even that, if it's the Gun Club, no offense, a promising tag team, but they're not a bloody draw. Do you really want to put on an extra match at final battle in a bad time slot? and no one really cares about it. You've got Jericho there, who's going to do the majority of the ticket selling and the pay-per-view selling. Why give away your biggest AEW match, if, in fact, any of this is happening for the sake of final battle?
1: Do you lend any credence to the theory from Brian Alvarez that this could just be hot-shotting, which is a dirty word, a little bit, in terms of the reaction to, to Dynamite's, and obviously Rampage, but more so Dynamite's ratings, because two title matches relatively out of nowhere.
2: No, because... This angle to set up this match, which was announced on the taping as happening next week, right, was shot before the rating came out. And it was shot, the, the, the apart from Rampage, which they've, you know, seemingly killed on purpose, which we get into on a roundtable discussion out, yeah? available right now, a deeper dive into the Rampage problem. As far as they knew, when they booked FTR versus Acclaim for next week, they were in an incredible place, Right. Because they just arrested the Thanksgiving Eve curse, Mm -hmm. where they know that number dies, and yet it didn't. And it was an incredible number considering the calendar. As far as they knew, when they booked this match, for the time it was booked for, everything was absolute roses. They had no idea that that disaster of a number was, like, sort of around the corner. This match has to be awesome. Absolutely out of this world, awesome. Awesome. Um, if it's not going to go to a satisfactory finish.
1: You claimed still leavers Champions. You
2: claimed Lever's Champions, and I think they've got a particularly good finish in mind. It can't be a distraction. It won't be a distraction. (laughs) I think they've got a really clever finish in mind, and that is um, informed by the form of the promotion, which I'm not going to abandon because I've got a cynical thought. Mm. I don't think that's the right way to analyze things. All that said, I think they've got a tremendous finish in mind that will nonetheless build to a match at final battle. And this shouldn't be um, an angle alert klaxon for something at ROH final battle. It just shouldn't.
1: Yeah, I agree with you.
2: It's not as if as well. Sorry, I know I'm talking a lot about this. It's not as if, oh, right, we need to scramble for a match. Um, All right, let's just waste this one. People will forget by March. That's Vince Headspace stuff. Again, if it's happening. They've built FTR versus Gun Club. It's probably the hottest thing in wrestling. I'm not naive, but they've built it for a yeah. long time. It's probably the second most heavily built prospective match at um Final Battle. So I don't know what they're thinking and I'm hoping that my uh that Tony Khan's got a master stroke and god damn it he's capable of them.
1: Yeah, and also like I say we've got Samoa Joe defending the TNT Championship tonight against Darby Allen, which could be an absolute ripper. Hmm. Obviously, uh, the confusing thing for me is you got that tonight Saturday he's got Juice Robinson for the ROH TV title. I can't be the only one who thought, where's Wardlow in all this? Because I assumed off the back of what happened with the TNT Championship and subsequently Wardlow saying this is my bloody world and interrupting Joe – that either the next TNT championship match or the next ring of honor tv champ- ring of honor tv title match was going to feature Wardlow in it.
2: Yeah, and Wardlow's going to do something with Joe. They've still been tied together mm. in storylines post full gear, but yeah, at least with FTR versus The Acclaimed. I think a lot of the reason why some critics/journalists and I disagree with them here. Say oh, it's not hot shotting. It's because they have teased FTR versus The Acclaimed. It is the logical match to make next as we've covered TV works differently and you have to take the piss a bit. But it is the logical match. They've been the number one contenders for ages. It's the two best tag teams. This is the logical match. So I can understand the complaints about the cynicism of the book, and if that makes sense, right? This is a mess. This is a complete mess. And it could be destructive as well. I don't know where Juice Robinson's come from. <laughs> I don't necessarily care. Um, if you're a fair promoter, right, you'd realize, oh, well, you know what? Wardlow's next in line he didn't get pinned he's got a right to reclaim that title which he never strictly lost Mm -hmm. but that same promoter put him in a position via a a three-way match for him to lose the title in those circumstances anyway so it's it doesn't make sense that Wardlow isn't getting the next shot but it kind of does in this weird warped way because (laughs) that's what enabled the three-way match to exist for in the first place so that's a mess and look neither of the outcome for this match is um, it's the best possible Samoa Joe match. He doesn't have to do hardly any of the work. Darby Allen has game as hell to bump for him. Noping a Darby Allin Lopez and watching him be a bullet and go into the guardrail <laughs> might be one of the best spots of the year. His
1: head might legitimately go through the guardrail. Yes. He just has to wrestle with it around his neck the rest of
2: the match. Imagine noping that Darby Allen Lopez. And imagine the comeback that follows the noping of the low pay. This could be like... some. This will be Joe's best match in AEW by some distance yeah. for me, okay? Joe shouldn't lose on principle when he's defending a title. You should do everything possible to make your champions look strong going into the pay-per-view. Because either they win the pay-per-view match and become even stronger, which in theory strengthens the next challenger when they eventually win. Um And it's just... Common book and sense, right, okay. Why unnecessarily have Darby Allen lose? And look, someone might point out, oh, we wanted all-star matches, and you say that people should lose, and maybe that's something I should consider as well. Um, But it's only final battle. Yeah. You know what I mean? But then someone else will say, what well, he wants to sell Final Battle. To which I would say, don't buy ROH in the first place. <laughs> These problems are mounting in the narrative of AEW proper as a result of this ROH thing. It's ridiculous. It's, I told you, I told Hanflet, you, you were off, I think. Between November 17, I think, I compiled this data. And all out. So all out to November 17th, right? One AEW slash ROH title holder was directly pinned on a once-per-week basis. Wow, Directly as well. So if you were in the same trio, you've lost as well. But uh, whether it was uh, the Lucha Brothers against Swerve in our glory, Jericho against Claudio, Dalton against Jericho, uh, Garcia in a tag match, one AEW slash ROH title holder has had their shoulders pinned to the mat or been tapped out once every single week. It used to feel like an event if a champion got pinned. Mm. Not anymore. This ROH problem is really seeping into everything. Um, maybe I should be ecstatic that we're getting an all-star match, the best possible use of Joe, and Darby Allen's going to lose valiantly in defeat because he really gets over like that. Maybe my head's all over the place. I just think that you shouldn't do too potentially contentious results on the same night at a minimum.
1: Yeah, you know, I, I don't like being pessimistic. It feels weird to me, but I saw these two matches and just was baffled by mm. the decision, especially, especially as you say, especially uh, to put them on this week. Because, like like you say, if the argument is, okay, well, Joe's going to have an absolute banger with Darby Allen. Great, but why now? And if the argument is, okay, well, what he's going to do is he's going to have a great match, he's going to retain the TNT Championship... My argument would be, well, could he not just... For once, actually, could he not just do it against, I don't know, uh, Trent or someone? I'm just thinking of a and general babyface who can... You yeah. Teflon losing, right? And then, because you want to sell final battle, because I'm concerned it might happen here anyway, Juice Robinson slides in and clocks Joe or whatever it may be. It just yeah. feels like it's a lot converging at the same time. It's
2: one of those where... In any other show... um without Final Battle being there and without the Acclaimed versus Swerven and um, FTR on the same card, I'd be bang up for Joe versus Derby for the reasons I've just outlined. That spot could be tremendous, right? I don't like the optics. And again, this is an ROH problem. Oh, Christ, we've got an ROH pay-per-view to sell it. How do we do it? Um, the optics of spending all of that time building and legitimizing Derby allen It's been a three-year-long project. So the... Th- theory is of Joe wins as he should as a champion going into a pay-per-view to defend one of his titles all right well maybe Juice Robinson can do the job Darby Allen couldn't like what message does that send yeah. to the idea of right I've invested in the Darby Allen character for three years from by modern pro wrestling i.e. WWE standards that's a fucking lifetime it really is so I just think that the timing is all very sus on this show, just across the board. And with his association
1: strange. with the TNT Championship, yeah. his legacy, history, all that as well. Yeah,
2: just the idea that uh, Jeff Jarrett can be Private Party and um, maybe Darby Allin can... And it's no offence against Juice Robinson, who's one of my favourite wrestlers of 2019, but he's Darby Allin's streets ahead of him in mm. terms of name value and form and all the rest of it this year the idea that darby could maybe soften joe up on the way to juice robinson in an roh pay-per-view is just backwards to me with my knowledge of 2019 and it's just wrong and it's not as if roh is a stronger brand and juice robinson's bigger than darby and those things have not happened at all mm. so i find all of this very strange the alternative of course is that darby allen wins yeah which i would take that as tnt champion that will be great. He was fantastic in the role, and they really should do more with him because he was once one of the biggest quarter-hour draws in the company. Um, but then you have Samoa Joe losing a title. Oh, watch the dominant Samoa Joe. Well, he's not dominant. at final battle because he's just... It's just weird. It's, and it worries the waters
1: with the whole Wardlow situation.
2: Yeah, the timing's just... All of this is just... Um, it makes me anxious. Mm-hmm. <laughs>
0: At Whole Foods
1: Market. Well, moving on, um, we talked last week about how sometimes you can just out of nowhere chuck a match graphic out there Brian Danielson versus Dax Harwood, and you go, cool, that sold the show without any legwork whatsoever. Arguably, we hear from AW World Champion MJF, oh, and former AW World Champion John Moxley. I mean, I'm watching the show kind of regardless what else is on this, to be honest. Yeah,
2: absolutely. And again, I've kind of been all over the place on this podcast in terms of my uh, opinions and consistency and all the rest of it. But the reason why I'm expecting a masterstroke from FTR Acclaimed is because you can't let it play out in this company. There was a certain uh, member of the pro wrestling media who was baffled by and the interactions between Mox and Hangman Page last week. In fact, there were two from the same outlet. Mm. I'll leave it at that, right? The idea is that they should have explained it better or they should have ran a video recapping what happened between them. Jesus Christ, it was meant to be a disruption to the show. It was meant to be this thing that wasn't booked because it was an interruption. If you think about the logic and the narrative and the platform and all the rest of it, It would feel fake if they went, all right, well, we just saw this disruption, this unexpected disruption, and this wild brawl, this chaotic start of the show that wasn't advertised, it just happened. Here is a really nicely um, edited video (laughs) package explaining the concussion that John Moxley gave the Hangman page. It wouldn't, therefore, feel like a disruption. It would have felt like something that was booked in fake on the show that you've then contextualized they will contextualise it a week later if you could just wait seven f- days. Well,
1: not even that. I completely agree with you. I was baffled when I saw this take online, right? It's, you know, you can throw pelters at AW for certain other aspects of their storylines and, and, and whatever it may be. But, yeah, if you say, all right, well, they can't do the video package for all the reasons you lay down, what they should do is explain, as Hangman pages walk into the ring, his history with John Moxley, which is exactly what they f***ing did! Yes! What I don't
2: know what did I
1: watch a different show or something? I know.
2: John Moxley legitimately made one of the most heavy handed allusions to the fact that he knocked um, Hangman Page unconscious. Do you need me to remind you because because, uh, yeah, Yeah yeah. Infer things. Infer things. And it's always on behalf of some moron as well who is not watching. Yeah. And it drives me insane. Look, like, I've talked around this take. And then he could give me, honestly at this point, a museum of exhibits of evidence like the Matt Hardy run, the Trustbusters, so much absolute garbage that this promotion is uh, sort of delivered to me over the years, right? If you want a broad storytelling medium That tells and doesn't show its stories most of the time and that recaps everything for you and keeps it simple and doesn't do any Easter eggs or foreshadowing or subtext or any actual legitimate um, narrative techniques, watch the Fed Watch WWE, that's what it's for. It's big, stupid, dumb, blockbuster, broad, tell-don't-show entertainment. It's fine. I accept it as that. I don't particularly like it.
1: Each to their own, yeah, absolutely.
2: And honestly, they insult my intelligence, (laughs) and I would prefer it if they didn't. But if that's what you want, it's there, right? Do not petition for AEW on your gatekeeping. Good. If my (laughs) gatekeeping... Prevents this company from being dumbed down. If my gatekeeping, are you gatekeeping? What difference does what I have to say on a podcast actually matter? Yeah. If I'm gatekeeping and capping the audience at 0.33 ceiling, right? If it can continue with that, and it can, it will get a rights fee, and it's just got its audience where I can do a stadium once a year, and you know, six thousand at best for a TV, and fifteen thousand for a pay per view, and good if it keeps the dumb, handholding bollocks out of my promotion of choice, I'll gatekeep until I'm dead in this f-ing podcast chair. <laughs> Do you understand what I'm saying to you? I want a... And I'm not even saying it's that sophisticated. I've seen a million interrupted backstage interviews. I have buried one million backstage interviews. I know it can be woefully contrived. I want a slightly sophisticated alternative to WWE. Mm. Do not ruin this for the people who are happy with it.
1: Yeah, I'm, I've been sat here in the, the trade-offer post for the last two weeks as you were saying that because I was going to say, if someone turned to you and went, Dynamite gets 2 million viewers every week, trade-offer, but you have to have a authority figure on television, you'd say no. I'd say no. I know, I could tell no. you. You wrote an entire book about your, how much you appreciate yeah. this alternative they've created. It's called Becoming Orderly. It's yeah. available on Amazon Don't right now. Don't get us
2: wrong. 1998... Right. You've got Nitros in stadiums. That's how hot wrestling is, right? 1995 in Japan, you've got the number three promotion at best behind New Japan and Old Japan, FMW drew 58,000 punters Jeez. to Kawasaki Stadium for Hayabusa uh, versus Atsushi Anita, Right. I want wrestling to be that big again. Yes. Right? I obviously do. The spectacle of that match, go and watch it. It's on YouTube. It's absolutely unbelievable. I obviously want it to be that size. It would be amazing. Right? Okay. If you have to abandon all of your principles and do a bad product to get it, I would rather see it in the Hammerstein Ballroom.
1: Yeah. Simple as that. Uh, really looking forward to hearing what both guys have got to say. Uh, you've got obviously John Moxley, the road to, he sort of alludes to the the death of the Blackpool Combat Club, but with William Regal, gone from AEW, going back to WWE, of course. Uh, and as we mentioned there, his uh, uh, now feud with with Hangman Page and all that. Um, very worth watching. <laughs> worth watching the road to if you haven't. Purely for... I always watch it before bed and go to bed at like <laughs> half eight on a Wednesday because I have to be up at stupid o'clock. <laughs> purely for the you know, red hot I'm going to kill you between Moxley and Hangman Page. Oh, you know, he said you you they allude to, oh, do you need to remind you? And Hangman Page chins him at that point. And they brawl outside the ring. Just keep an eye out for that bit. <laughs> and they brawl outside all the officials. Are like, stop it, stop it, stop it. There's a sign that says Simon Miller warm and fuzzy and my Tom <laughs> in the background. It sort of slightly takes away yeah. from it. Uh, so there's that, of course, um, as well as someone who I would hope, not my opinion, but obviously the way it's been, Manipulated, let's say. it's Probably going to be booed slightly more for murdering an old man on television last week, uh, Maxwell Jacob Friedman. And, of course, it's technically also the go-home dynamite ahead of Winter is Coming, where he's facing Ricky Stocks for the world title.
2: Yes, I'm trying to be a consistent analyst here, okay? And I thought MGF did an absolutely majestic job of getting his heat back, and just reining in that charisma, not allowing the fans to get high on it. Go and listen to the Dynamite review last week. Yeah. Again, because we really mean Hanford and yourself drill into how good it was and how low-key good it was, in fact, okay? MJF can't help but steer into these lanes where he just arrives at being a babyface again. (laughs) He decides to be the devil himself. It takes an absolutely exceptional amount of commitment to do this, and then CM Punk turns heel on him. And he's the de facto babyface because CM Punk's kind of becoming a bit of an asshole, and that's before Brawl Out. The Chicago fans were happier to see MJF in Chicago than CM Punk's like,
1: fuck,
2: like, right? I can't even be a heel as a devil, right? So he cuts this promo. He draws it out. It's like 17 minutes long, end-to-end, this episode of television. And he just skillfully, the second that the fans get a bit subdued, and I myself am thinking... Not your best promo this, Max. I'm
1: concerned. I'm with you. He then
2: goes, right, I'm going to do the Reign of Terror. And the penny drops, and I'm like, that is genius. That is genius, right? He does what so many other luminaries of the sport, right, couldn't do, and that is like swim against the tide of a reaction, right, and actually come up to shore. He's a heel again. Great. It's fantastic. What happened subsequently is that (laughs) William Regal, the sympathetic victim of a... Ostensible crime because he's not cleared to commit uh, to compete.
1: Bleed on the brain.
2: Bleed on the brain. He's he's didn't realise he had a broken neck for twenty years. He's a very very frail man, and he goes down like a sack of spuds. And MGF's despicable. And what happens? All right, no, he's definitely going to the Fed. He's leaving your beloved AEW with a fine. Boo, William Regal. <laughs> Boo, you suck. You're a traitor. If anything, MGF's going to be a hero this week <laughs> for. Like, binning the traitorous, yeah, treacherous William Regal on the way back to the dreaded Fed. You cannot catch a break, MGF. But I trust him to get his heat back, and he'll probably do it tonight.
1: Where are they? Austin, I think.
2: Austin,
3: know. Texas. Slag off barbecue I'm, I'm, sauce I'm
2: trying, you know, to rein back the old uh,
1: American accents. I can't associate with that. Um, but, yeah, Ricky Stock. Well, will get to Ricky Stocks in a bit as well, because Ricky Starks is keeping himself busy. The diamond 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 ring battle royal, which is inexplicable to me, but we'll get to that. Uh, but first, let's run through some of the uh, other matches advertised. Uh, the JAS versus what's left of the BCC, I suppose. Uh, Jake Hager, I like this hat, and uh, Daniel Garcia versus Claudio Castagnoli and Wheeler Utah, Obviously, ahead of Utah and Claudio, both challenging for JAS's titles at final battle.
2: Yeah, look, this should function as very, very well-worked build to final battle. And if you're going to build final battle, which I won't want too much time allocated to because I just don't care about it, um, then ultimately this is a pretty damn good match on paper to um, fulfill that objective. But it just brings into focus to me that so much time has been spent building Wheeler Yuta building the life out of Wheeler Utah. and in fact Daniel Garcia has beaten Danielson Wheeler Utah has cut his forehead open to smithereens <laughs> to join the BCC in the first place like much of Danielson, Jericho and Moxley, three of the biggest stars in the company um, between them, they are the 2023 Wrestler of the Year and two very different audiences Jericho and Danielson are considered the GOATs. Mm-hmm. The pure sports entertainment fans really think Jericho's up there as the best of all time. And the absolute limb work snobs think Danielson is. And they've been basically used, not primarily, but a large part of their years have been dedicated to getting these two over. And Garcia, Uta, three, feels so much smaller mm. than Garcia and Utah one and two. It just feels like oh, they're still feuding. They're still in stables that are still feuding. Um right, they'll have a guaranteed four and a half star match. Let's put that in final battle. Doesn't feel big to me at all. And that is really an indictment of AEW's priorities with this roster, what they are deciding to do with it. And again, it's all noble in theory and you know on paper. They are future focused because god damn it, this demographic is kind of in trouble. And, you know, the the, the median age of the AEW viewer is way closer to forty nine than eighteen. And god damn it, it feels like every concept that the millennial fan base likes, they're getting bored of now. Swine ungrateful swine. (laughs) This company's been amazing for the best part of three years, going into the fourth, right? You've got bloodbath, you've got unscripted promos, you've got really intricate long-term storytelling, that's almost prestige TV level, and you're just deserting it, and you're completely ungrateful swine, and you're spoiled, and you're entitled. So they've realized that and thought, you know what, we have to build up the future. People might think, oh, it's weird that you're not doing as much with Danielson, right? Um, Or having... Moxley operates as both a champion and someone who's there to get young people over pro wrestling across the board needs young people mm. and young performers who can connect with young people to safeguard its very future okay um, so I do think there's a valuable purpose in really proceeding with this Utah and Garcia push but dot 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 it's not been a very good one all told mm. because they don't feel as big as they did earlier in the year
1: who do you think wins the match?
2: Don't care Um, I don't, I'm not really truly invested in who wins or loses. One would expect the threat of Cloud Hill becoming a sports entertainer and the anxiety of whether that's going to happen or not to drive the result here. And he could lose or Utah could take the fall. Um, But again, everything surrounding the Blackpool Combat Club is another driver of anxiety here.
1: I am going to say that... Uh, just because it, it's such a WWE trope of, like, lose to win on this tape. So, I'm going to say Claudio and you a win. the JAS immediately, because uh, uh, Brian Danielson has come down and chased off uh, Daddy Magic and Cool Hand Ange, for example. But, there's an elephant, in the, there's a person I've not mentioned here in all this, and that's Chris Jericho. So, post-match... He's an exhausting victory. You know, Claudio does something preposterous with Jake Hager, let's say, to get the pin, because he can eat the pinfall out of all the people in this match. Uh, Does something, yeah, mad strength stuff, which oh bloody exhausted, but I've got the pinfall, one, two, three. Why not? For the sake of, you know what? I know that Regal's gone and Mox is just, well, I actually forgot to ask you what you think is going to happen with Mox and Paige. I'll talk about that in a second. There's still something there with the Blackpool Combat Club. Just because Regal's not there doesn't stop this bond that these four other men have created. I like the idea of Jericho runs down like, right, I'm going to hobble that twat before the pay-per-view on Saturday because I'm a a twat. Yeah, I'm a bell end who cuts every corner possible. Why not? Uh, It looks like he's going to come in and maybe not with a bat, but maybe just like a big Judas effect. He's going to take his head off, right? Uh, all the other four people have been laid out. Claudio's getting up and he's like, Here it comes, here it comes, here it comes. it takes the bullet for him, pushes Claudio out the ring, spills to, uh, to get yourself to the bloody paper. I'll take this. I like that as a little touch of uh No, we're still we're still a collective, even if we've lost Regal and Mox is off doing his own thing.
2: Not a bit. It's a fantastic finish idea.
1: It's Call me Butter Baby. I want to roll. Yeah, do you think Paige and, and, and Mox get into it again tonight? I forgot to ask you about that earlier.
2: I think there'll be a. Another interruption from the promo, which, yes, they will contextualize, even if I don't like Ring of Honor, even if I have problems with other parts of the book, and, like, they will contextualize it, goddammit. And, um, yeah, I feel like this is not... If you look at where the characters are at in this story, they are full of piss, vinegar, rage, urgency. This doesn't feel like a long built to revolution. This feels like a stepped-up, um, maybe even a Texas death match. Both men have got previous Ooh. at being great in that environment. Could happen at winter is coming. It just doesn't feel like it warrants the slow burn, Tony Khan okay. patient approach yeah. where the characters are at right now.
1: Um, Jamie Hayter is set for a sit-down interview with Tony Schiavone tonight. Is it as simple as Britt Baker sitting down to do the interview for her?
2: That's what they're building. Yeah. That's what they've been teasing on social media. Um Breakers, Breaker? Breaker? Britt Baker has been great value, like blaming Reba for the interruptions, like very Chris Jericho, just utterly deluded um, behavior, so that's cool. Yeah, I expect more gentle build to their presumed showdown at Revolution. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, that is a slow burn. That is that, that is a justified
2: slow yeah. burn. Yes, it is a justified slow slur, slur burn. Went from Hull there. I'll do Hull <laughs> accent. I'll, I'll tell you a story about uh, Hull. Hull. Uh, what I regret <laughs> when we press stop.
1: <laughs> okay, uh, the women's match tonight is Jay Cargill and the Baddies versus a former Baddie, uh, Kiera Hogan, Sky Blue, and Madison Rain. Um, Did we see Bow Wow. Tonight? I don't know. I don't know what this is. Oh
2: God, dissension in the Baddies.
1: Is this the point where we maybe get Bow Wow saying? I think you know the person that I've recruited, and it's Red Velvet or something.
2: Maybe. Look, at it. you see Naomi and Jade Cargill were yes, tapped. Maybe Naomi could be coming in. And that's like... Um,
1: and you're conspicuously quiet about the Naomi side of things with the sashes. Yes, stuff absolutely. WWE. Yeah, I yeah. feel
2: sorry for Naomi because she's obviously the lesser star. Yeah. Even though she's brought buildings down, God damn it. Yeah. Um So that might be a little sort of tease. I don't know, Bow Wow's not going to wrestle Jade Cargill. No. So he's going to bring in a representative to fight Jade Cargill. That's where it's all going. And maybe they're going to go with Velvet and the celebrity endorsements of vehicle to get over to the next level. Maybe it's Naomi. Maybe it's Sasha. Maybe, I don't know. Um, Ultimately, I expect Baddie's dissension in this match with the idea that if, in fact, Jade Cargill being dethroned is happening sooner rather than later... They're going to set up that as either a finish to protect her and turn a baby face or just, they've got a good habit. Sometimes they telegraph the telegraph a life out of it. They <laughs> do have a good tablo- uh, habit of establishing what the performer's going to do next after the one last thing that they do of importance. Mm. So
1: I can't get excited about this match. I don't think it'll be that's very that's c- good. Ever. I know she's obviously got undefeated record as singles competitor. Has she ever lost a multi-person match? Obviously she wouldn't be one getting pinned, but let's say, yeah. Red Velvet gets pinned in this match. Was that
2: not off the top of my head? Her, She's no. worked yeah. tags
1: and stuff, but I really she can't just goes, remember. "I'll take it from me and destroys everyone." Um, <laughs> just for fun, no Hamfletcher, <laughs> just for fun. No, no, record it because exactly I've got Hamfletcher and Oh, wait a minute, sorry.
3: sorry. <laughs>
1: it's time to play the game.
2: Let Tamina speak,
1: the, and that game.
2: Is. Well, the game. Let's reveal the purpose of the game first. Okay, and basically, what we want to do as we want to get to the hour, minute, and second, the first note you hear of the first women's wrestling entrance theme for the one obligatory match that happens every week on Dynamite or Rampage, with the idea being that the closer we get every single time, makes you realize, hmm, this is an afterthought that's just shunted into one slot on the show (laughs) that they don't care about. So we like to shine a glaring light on it. Via the game, the name of which is... Well, this is Ladies <laughs> Night, and I'm thinking new no word not need.
1: So, Hamlet's w- like James a-
2: Hetfield slash shooting stars.
1: <laughs> Just call Hamlet Butter, because he's on a roll. Two, for, two in the last two weeks, I believe. Uh, but you t- I didn't realize this. You have his guest for Ladies Night this week, which is... Yeah, not when we presumably have the Jamie Hayes at an interview. That doesn't count. We want more women's wrestling matches on the show, right? And not just Soraya saying, there was three women's matches on the baby view, if you noticed. So, uh, you would assume it is the, maybe the strings of, of Jade Cargill's theme. Actually, I always bring out the champion second if I'm booking. But so, uh, Madison Rain's theme will hit uh, at some point during AEW Dynamite. But uh, as I draw up Twitter to get the latest uh, scores, um, Hanfler, as the uh, winner of last week will go first. Uh, what what time has he has he gone for?
2: Well, I got a WhatsApp message from him that would indicate that he thinks it's going to happen in the first hour of the show. What? And uh, he said it's going to happen zero hours, uh, one minute. <laughs> And two seconds. So you think okay. this is going to open the show? Wow. I didn't realize that
1: he sent you that message. Shout out, by the way, to uh, to Adam Blair, of course, who's been keeping all the... Um, oh, data. Thanks. Sorry, the name of the word just escaped me there. Uh, on all this. Uh, Hanfler on six. Sige on six. Me on eight. Um, for when, as and when this is going to go down. I, I disagree with, with Hanfler. I'm going to go next, if that's all right. I disagree with Hanfler. I think it might be slightly later on this show... Um, I've no idea what's gonna. This is so baffling because normally you and oh, I can see. This is
2: coming for ages.
1: And uh, you know we can in- imagine how the show will begin, which we, I, I don't know if you can give me an example of what that might sound like. How the show would start. Right.
2: Okay. You're cheating here because this is usually how I get into the groove of things. Sorry, yeah, but yeah. you know what?
1: Um well, this is the problem: is I can't get into it for this show.
2: Yeah. You normally. have to. Yeah, you have to really think about how it unfolds, and then you can picture it m-
3: m- far better and yeah, with more clarity yeah, yeah. in your mind. Mm, boom, let's go, week nine, Some of that guy, going a flash of light, oh, and boom. down on mine,, it not? dynamite, Wednesday night, you know what that means, it ain't Friday, so it ain't no J.R. <laughs> <laughs> uh, apparently it's Ring of Honor this goddamn show now. Yeah, maybe I can get a Ring of Honor job, Tony, goddamn, I don't have an E&O job anymore, it doesn't look like, Friday night's gone.
1: And then I don't know what, what, that's my problem, is I don't know what comes there. Normally you would go like, oh, okay, blah, Yeah.
3: Grand Danielson's music hits. I think it's going to be. Listen. No, a Champions. So in fact, it would be. the Midnight Express. Yes, it does. Yeah, I think this is oh, because it's getting some. Listen. Strange. Listen. Uh maybe one of these days I'll prepare an acclaim style rap for, for to perform in the Jim Rawls voice. So that's gonna open. Yeah. And then um the main event oh, probably will be uh, I hate creep and I hate liar and my hair's on fire.
2: And it's Darby Yeah, I got, I got it, I got it. So I'm thinking that well, I'm not going to give the game away because it's your decision. Yeah,
1: I I agree. I was going to say I think it's going to be. I
3: can't be, sleep because my head's on fire. I hate creeps and I hate liars.
1: I can actually picture the cartoon bits as, well as you say that. Um, so I think that's the way things are going to be organized. Yeah, yeah. But uh, one, I think I'm going to go second hour. I'm going to shock you. One. 20 dead. <laughs> like yeah, you hear that little freak. That burp just raised up but didn't come out there. 120. Boom. On the nose.
3: I'm gonna go one hour. Oh, Darby away. Allen's matches are really these
2: short explosive bursts and they don't really understandably, have Joe go that long. So I'm thinking it's going to go 128. No, 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 127. Oh, Uh, 127.59,
1: actually. 34. (laughs) Oh, so it's a very spread betting this week. Yeah. One minute. What was it for Hamlet? Zero hour, one minute and 10 seconds or something. Is that what he said? In the in the text message, yeah, said, zero
3: yeah. hours, one minute and two seconds. Okay, right. So it's, it's, it's going to be like, boom, what's going on? It's a question uh, right You know what
1: that means? Madison Rain opens the show. Yes. Okay. Yeah. That yeah. should be already
3: in the ring. Uh, <laughs> right.
1: Uh, imagine if he gets that, I'm going to be absolutely furious. By the way. Um, finally, Sage. <clears throat> who? Because it's who? For the first time ever, it is not going to be the man who wears it best, Maxwell Jacob Friedman, who wins the beautiful diamond ring in the dynamite diamond ring battle royal. But this is just one week, isn't it? And they're not doing the winner's final two fight next week, do they? I think it's a one-weeker. Because otherwise, <laughs> otherwise it's a busy f- night for Ricky Starks if he makes the final two next week. Uh, so far, entrance. I'll run you through them, uh, don't get too excited.
2: Oh, this is going to start the show, isn't it? They're going to be in the ring. Oh, maybe. All right, put a
1: it. Matt Hardy. Mm. Ethan Page. Mm. So you've got a bit of a story there. I'm not sure if you've noticed, but they've done a lot of the stuff with the firm. my <laughs> <Certainly>, yeah. <laughs> uh, Brian Cage. Mm. Uh, Ricky Starks. Mm. Jungle Boy. More mm. entrance to be announced. Sean Dean. You and... Should. I was showing my hand here. My pick, the only man fits to wear the diamond ring if it's not going on Maxwell's hand, Dalton Castle. God damn, I love that man. I do love that man. Um,
2: First things first, I read somewhere that, in fact, it's going to be diamond ring versus title when Ricky Page wins it. Ricky Page? (laughs) Not him.
1: Ricky Starks. Starks.
2: So I read somewhere on like Reddit or somewhere like that that I think that was what was actually meant to be conveyed. Um, right. Which could be a mechanism to give it back to MJF.
1: Which is, oh, okay. Yeah, I get where you're coming from. Yeah, yeah.
2: Uh, yeah, it was on Reddit or somewhere like that. Um, surprisingly insightful. <laughs> yeah. for, for Reddit. For Reddit.
1: It's particularly squared circle. Yeah,
2: yeah. <laughs> and uh, so that's, I think, what's going to happen. Therefore, I expect... Ricky Stacks to win it. I expect that the storyline between Hardy and Page will be advanced in the final four, which should incorporate Sean Dean. Yes, that's a really good little runner. It's a really good running gag they've developed there. The idea that he could be close to MJF because if they do MJF versus Sean Dean, is like you know, there's always like a great TV match uh-huh. in the long term title reign. They could do MJF, Sean Dean as, like, a 10-minute competitive match a la Triple H, Reign of Terror, even though it wasn't the Reign of Terror, versus taka michinoku mm. Like, holy... Sh- He's giving them a run for his money here, and it's awesome.
1: Yeah, so they made, like, a slightly watered-down version of when they had the the Scorpio Sky. I'm going have a shot at this bloody title. Like, no one really thought he was going to take it off Jericho, but it was a good... Interim. I know no one
2: will buy it, but I just think the idea is: well, they've established it twice; they could sell it on the biggest shock yeah. in AW history. That's how they could build this big match. I, also I don't th- think you should win, but I think you should have a TV match with MGF at some point. I
1: like it. I like the idea. Yeah, of him making the final. Uh, let's say if you're going to have the, the yeah the the firm oh, bollocks uh, as part of the final four, final five, right? Because I know there's more people than than what I've just mentioned there who's going to be involved in this battle royal. And I love the idea. I'm going to tweet that, by the way. It's going to get numbers. Absolutely. I, draft, draft it out while he talks. Uh, We're running low on time. At on Twitter. Um, I do like the idea of MJF. World champion. He's achieved everything he's ever wanted to. And he's going to hold this belt for a year. And he's going to get paid, he already is, but he's going to get paid even more money bidding war 2024. <laughs> Still being so fucking petty <laughs> that he's come out, got all the reaction from his promo, in my head, and this is open, you're right. But if it doesn't, he come MJF does his promo before this, so his work's done. Get in your private jet and go home, Maxwell. And he's sat back sage going, I'm not having that prick. And he actually comes out, a man who says, I'll I'll barely wrestle. You'll barely see me in a wrestling ring, because I'm that, that bit, much of a special attraction, <laughs> gets involved in this match and chucks yeah, yeah. over the top. That would be good. Just that the pet that's a pettiness I can get I can get on board with. Um but, yeah, I don't think Sean Dean should win it. Yeah. I don't know. I, I do got, do genuinely like the idea of Dalton Castle. Like, I saw, and as soon as I saw his face, because, you know, if Ricky Starks wasn't fighting for the world title, that obviously would work very well with the absolute peace that is Ricky Starks. But, yeah, I don't need to muddy the waters of this, of this world title thing. It's a nice touch to put it all up for grabs, but then it just makes it... Cool, so MGF's winning the Diamond Ring back again a week later, I suppose. Yeah. So, I don't know. If it's yeah if it's not Dalton Castle, if it's not Sean Dean, and if it's not Ricky Stacks, anyone else you could think that they could they could put this on or could, or could be involved in this match? Is it the Dynamite Dozen Battle
2: Royale? Sorry, I'm just... It doesn't
1: say... They didn't say, it just said Dynamite Diamond Ring Battle Royale, I think yeah, is from I just getting the,
2: the tweet for the numbers, so all about the numbers. What was your question? Sorry, very If rigid. it's not... Dalton, Ricky, Sean, who? I don't want anyone else. I mean, it's already a bit, I wouldn't say muddied. They've already said Danielson's the first proper test. So I wouldn't want to add anyone else to de-emphasize Ricky Starks in the narrative.
1: Could be a pick of ours from a previous Dynamite Diamond Ring. Wardlow. Wardlow. He's not busy. Well. And as much as I love him. Wardlow throwing Dalton Castle with all of his tassels, Castle's tassels.
2: I would not want to put Wardlow and MGF in the same ring at this point. It would bring into but pretty...
1: Do they get a match? When do they get a match? Do they, do they get... Yeah, they get a world title match when they want it. Is that right? If they win the diamond ring?
2: No, I think that it's for the ring, but the thing I read was that um, it's not even for a title shot. It's so that he can do everything that MGF. Is done and more and quicker. Ah, so I think okay. it's just for the ring, but he wants everything that MGF's had.
1: Right. Confusing. <laughs> needlessly confusing. Yes. And needlessly risky for a man who's held together by Taven and fighting for a world title next yes, week, in absolutely. my opinion. But I'm sure, like you say, I suppose the the, the the theme of this preview is over to you, Tony. Because there's a lot of apprehension in this room. And it's just me and Sidge this week.
2: Yeah, Hamlet's usually the Debbie Downer, isn't he?
1: Yeah. But it's, you can't say you don't want to watch tonight's show. Let us know your thoughts. Let us know your predictions. Did you like the
2: Hangman Page versus Mox build?
1: What, Dan last Brock week? F- I'm fairly
2: certain he did at the time, but we'll... S- oh. <laughs> I
1: don't know what you're alluding to there. We'll see. Uh, let us know your thoughts ahead of tonight's show on Twitter at WhatCultureWWE. Uh, well, actually, they can follow both of us. You can follow Michael Sidgwick on Twitter at M. Sidgwick. You can follow me at Adam Wilborn. Follow us all at WhatCultureWWE. And to keep a track of the whole ladies' night thing, uh, you can follow our brilliant statistician, Adam Blair, at Adam Wilton4, of course. Uh, but for now, this has been the Dynamite preview. Oh, as Sid alluded to earlier, if you want to know our thoughts on. The dumpster fire that is AW Rampage right now. Me, Sid, and Andy sat around to talk about it a little bit earlier. It's available to the Get At The Table podcast right now. What Cool Dressing, wherever you get your podcast from, where the Dynamite Review will drop tomorrow as soon as it is released. And you know what? Bollocks to it. Me and Sid will do a final battle preview for you tomorrow just because we, we like you that bloody much. I oh, Always uh, oh, spoiling them. Right. Uh, this has been the Dynamite Preview. My thanks to Michael Sidrick. Thank you for joining us. And we will see you soon.